Okay, welcome Tony to No Excuses, Real Inspiration with Scott Marshall. So I'd like to thank you for coming on the show tonight and giving up your time. So for the viewers that don't know you, just give a wee brief introduction of who you are and what you do, Tony, please. Hi Scott, so thanks for kind of having me on the show. So yeah, for me, I've pretty much been a one-to-one trainer since what, 2007, 2008, Uh, so almost 13 or 14 years. Um, in that kind of time period, I took my business online in 2011 and started kind of experimenting with being able to help not just people that were local to me in my area, but helping people all over, not just the UK, but Europe and kind of the other side of the globe as well. And I guess for me, the passion was all about helping people achieve phenomenal results that they probably didn't necessarily believe was possible themselves. I had a real hunger for my, my, my own kind of body transformation going from really probably skinny um, skinny individual, overactive, probably didn't really eat enough um, to the point where I found a love and a passion for training. I took that all the way up to stepping on stage, doing fitness modeling, doing men's physique, bodybuilding, even stepped in a world stage as well. So we've took it to every kind of level. For me, I've always been in that mindset. If I'm going to do something... I'm going to do it all in. I'm going to do yeah. it to the best of my ability and push it as far as I could push it. And yeah, so pretty much for me, I've, I've been a, an active competitive bodybuilder. Um, I've been a personal trainer now for 13, 14 years. I've done online coaching for almost, what, nine, 10 years now. And in that time period, I've never really lost that love for what I do or why I do it, which has kind of kept me to where I am to, to, to this day, to be honest. Yeah, no, good, Tony. And then, you know, we'll, we'll come back to, you know, how you got involved with fitness, yeah. <coughs> excuse me. Um, but we're going to go back to your school years. So what okay. sort of activities were you involved in there? So funnily enough, right, when it came to school, I, w- I wasn't one for studying. There wasn't anything that interested me at school. There wasn't any subjects that I was particularly excited about or good at. And the only real two things I kind of took an interest to were art and PE. That was the only kind of two things. When it came to maths, English, chemistry, like all that languages, I was just like, this just just isn't me. And and the funny thing was, I didn't really have an idea of what I wanted to be when I was older. So there was no drive. There was no purpose. And for me... I loved just doing any type of sports from football, athletics, rugby, badminton, boxing, swimming, gymnastics, like you name it. I just I just found everything that to do with physical activity kind of and I got excited about it. I was competitive and I just found that learning stuff like that, whether it was high end coordination or acceleration or whatever it was, is there was just something about that that kind of got me excited and wanted me to kind of get more involved and be better compared to studying and things like that so when yeah. I came to school <clears throat> spent more time doing PE sports like after school clubs all that type of stuff more than actual studying yeah and it's quite it's quite interesting because you mentioned that the two subjects you picked you that you liked were uh, PE and that you know and you know actually thinking about it combining those two is actually what you do with personal training and, you know, bodybuilding, etc. Yeah. And again, I don't know. I think for, for me, art was a kind of creative outlet. It was, I don't know, just I found that there was no real guidelines or boundaries. You could kind of go 
and let your imagine run wild. And then just with physical activity and training and sports, again, there was no real boundary. It was down to your own your own work ethic, your own ability, and you could you could become better. You know what I mean? Same as yeah. art, you could become better with, with practice. So, yeah, it was funny that I was gravitated towards them, but it was the only real thing that really kind of drove me in school, to be honest. Okay. And then did you have any challenges growing up, like physically, mentally? So... <sighs> I wasn't necessarily the smartest. I guess that was probably down to probably not enjoying the actual subject. So in terms of like, it wasn't a case that I was getting straight A's or anything like that. Um, And I guess for me in school, it didn't really interest me. So it's hard to kind of say that was I not good at school because I didn't put any effort. I didn't really do homework. I didn't study for tests. I expected that I would become better just by chance rather than actually putting the work into it. And then from a kind of physical standpoint, because I spent so much time doing sports, so much time doing activities, so much time being active, that I was always very skinny. Like I was extremely fit, done loads of sports every day, was always active, was always outdoors. And I was just a skinny, probably skinny young, young boy growing up. And yeah, for me, I probably didn't really eat enough. I spent more time exercising and eating and that was really it to be honest I guess main challenges were probably that how much effort did I put into school I'm not really sure because it didn't really interest me and from a a kind of physical standpoint is probably being kind of quite small and quite skinny not necessarily the biggest or strongest but was quite competitive in the fact that I felt like I could get bigger and stronger if I really worked at it yeah okay and then obviously you mentioned, you know, you've been involved in the health and fitness industry for 13 years. Am I right yep. saying that? Yeah. Or, or maybe longer, sorry, Tony. Yep. Um, so what what made you uh, get involved with health and fitness? Why, why was that a career? So the, it's funny, Scott, because I actually landed into this career by accident. And um, what happened was when I was like five or six, my main sport was football. Yeah. Um, it's all I ever really done. Uh, I joined a football team. I was training three days a week. I was playing 11s at the weekend uh, between games. I was playing football with my pals. I was doing fives. I was doing sevens. I was doing football was my only kind of main kind of go to. And probably I would say at that point when you're that young, it's like I'll grow up. I'll be a professional footballer. And that was the kind of route. And yeah, I didn't really put much thought into it. No, just thought, oh, this is quite exciting. This is quite fun. That's what I'll do. Um, and so for me, it was like I spent a lot of my time just playing football, just playing football. That's all I really done. And then I got signed with Motherwell uh, Youths. This was about maybe 16, 16 at the time or so. Yeah. And I tore my groin. It was a really bad injury from, from coming on. It was second half. Um, I was getting taken on. And I just, from not probably warming up, stretching properly, coming on, took some really bad hits, bad tackles, and I just felt it go. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm not sure. Like, I never really have been injured that bad. Uh, and then I found out I tore my groin. I'd had physiotherapy for one or two years. I tried to kind of rehab it, and nothing quite, nothing really quite worked, to be honest. It was kind of frustrating. I didn't really know how to make it better. And so I went from spending probably 20 hours a week playing football, like all the time after school, football training, playing sevens, playing elevens, playing fives, to them being like, shit, 
what am I going to do? Like, I can't play football and that's all I've done for so long. Yeah. And I remember my mum, uh, she went to a council gym and she was like, why don't, why don't you come to the council gym and, and go to some classes? And I was like, no really into going to classes, but do you know what? I'll go to the gym and yeah, let's just go to the gym and see what happens. And I went to the gym and I looked at all these machines, didn't really know what the machines done, but I just went into the gym. I just looked at people that done the machines and I was like, cool, that's how you, that's how you work that machine. I'll do that exercise. And I didn't really know what, what the exercises were. I didn't probably couldn't tell you what muscles they worked, but I knew how to jump on a machine and do it. And that's pretty much how I kind of got into to probably going to the gym and health and fitness. And then I think when I realized that my football career was kind of over, it had been two years, I'd been rehabbing. It was just, I just couldn't get myself back in the game. I just, I don't know, not something, nothing was quite clicking. And I just thought, you know what, I'm going to fill this void. We go to the gym and then that soon became an addiction where I was reading magazines. I was like taking whey protein and all this stuff and trying to kind of just learn and watch from other people as to what did they do when they trained? How did they, how did, how they done it? And that's when I kind of fell into the industry because by the time that I had probably been training maybe two years without really having a clue of what I was doing, it was, I was winging it. <laughs> I didn't have a training plan. I didn't have a clue. I didn't have an idea. I kind of just said, on this day, I'll work, my, I'll work my way through this side of the gym. And then in the next day, I'd work myself, I worked my way through the other side of the gym. And that, that was my kind of routine. It was quite funny. I didn't, didn't really know what I was doing at the time. But at that point, I'd been going for two or three years. I'd started to take it a bit serious. My, my cousin was a personal trainer at that point. And I said, look, Chris, I'm skinny. Like, I'm so skinny, man. Like, I, I, I get not necessarily slagged all the time, but I remember my parents were just like, you really need to eat more. You really need to put some weight on because you're that skinny. And I was like, I know, I know. Never really had a massive appetite. And I said, Chris, look, I want to get bigger. Like, I want to get bigger. What do I need to do? And he was like, look, you need to squat, you need to deadlift, and you need to bench. And I was like, fuck it. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start squatting and benching and deadlifting. And that was kind of part of my kind of foundation from the first, I don't know, the first first year of actually training properly, reading magazines and all that stuff. I made sure that these were a staple and foundation. And before I knew it, probably three or four years later, when I joined, uh, I think it was like Virgin at that point. And one of my training partners at that time was like, Tony, Tony, see, one of the magazines that we, we were reading, whether it was Men's Fitness or Flex Magazine, were like, look, this supplement company is looking for a fitness model. Why don't you go in for it? And I'm like fitness model and I'm like why would I want to do that I was like no I go to the gym because I love going to the gym I'm not going to the gym for like these competitions or all that and he said well I don't know so I left it and then I kind of kept coming up and kept coming up in all these magazines I was like right what are they looking for and he said write down what you eat write down what you train write down what you do all that stuff and I kind of wrote down my routine and all that stuff and I never really thought much about it and at that point, I got a message like maybe a month later. It was like, congratulations, Tony. You've made it from the UK wide selection down to like the last 30. I was like, hmm, I think that's pretty good. That's uh, yeah. That sounds pretty good. Uh, and then like another month later, it was like, look, you've made it through to the last five. And I was like, fuck, that's five. That's, I wonder who the other guys are. And uh, at that point, I then started to really double down in my training. I was like, so what happens now? And they're like, look, 
We're going to get you down to headquarters and we're going to do a photo shoot with you guys. We're going to get to meet you. And I was like, oh shit, this is like a big deal. I was like, right, okay. Started doubling up my training, started like cleaning up my, at that point it was like, I'm not going to eat carbs because carbs make you fat and don't eat fat because fat makes you fat. And I think all I was literally doing was just like scoffing down protein and like two chicken breasts, two tins of tuna, two scoops of protein, just protein galore. But I could probably say if I calculated that out, it was maybe like a thousand calories of just trying to gorge down like protein, which was a riot now that I look back (laughs) at it. But training twice a day and eating like that, it was almost impossible not to get ripped or I was always quite skinny anyway, so I was completely ripped like inside out. And I thought to myself, fuck, let's do this. And, and I remember I had an old sat-nav at the time. It was a day of the, the photo shoot. And they said, right, Tony, we need you to be down here for like 10. We're going to have guys come down at 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock. It was like, cool. And I'd punched in my sat-nav and it was an old sat-nav. And it ended up, it got me there for like 7. And I was like, shit. And I got there and the guys were like, fuck, you're keen. Says that it says the first guy's not even due here till nine. And I said, Look, it was my sat nav, I had a sat nav, and it's kind of took it. Didn't know that, that there was this, this motorway had been built, and I'd also jumped in this motorway and it got me there like two, three hours early. Was I was like, I, I wasn't really supposed to come, and they were like, Well, fuck it, do like let's let's sit down. And I think at that point, I'd spent an hour with the owners of the company just chatting about me, who I am, what I'd done, like how I trained. Yeah, and I say this to everyone. I literally think that that was the turning point for them that, all right, by accident, I was like there super early, but I think it gave me enough time that the guys got to really know me, who I was, my character, what I was all about, why I love training, like all of that stuff. And I ended up, I won that competition and became uh, the fitness model for PhD supplements. And I had that contract for almost 10 years to be honest, I've been with them for so long. And yeah, that was, so I kind of just fell into the industry by accident. Like I never set out for that to happen. Yeah, It just so happened that it, it happened by accident. So I say to everyone, like, you never know what opportunities will happen, but like take up everything that comes your way. Cause you just don't know. You just don't know like who you're going to talk to or what's going to present itself. So always be open-minded to, kind of always show up at your best and kind of always be there and be reciprocal to people or networking or events or stuff like that, because you never know what might come off the back end of it. Ah, totally. I totally get that, Tony. And then, so let's talk about, you know, being involved in the health and fitness industry. So what do you prefer? Do you prefer face-to-face in the gym or do you prefer your online coaching? So Scott, this is this is funny because it, it, it changed for me. Um, and obviously when I first became a PT, it was all about helping people. And the only way I knew how to help people was face-to-face. It was meeting yeah. them, it was speaking to them, it was motivating them, it was pushing them, it was inspiring them, it was keep, keeping them disciplined, holding them accountable to their actions. And I was helping people lose significant amounts of weight. It was like four stone, six stone, eight stone, and it was just, it, it was, it was amazing. It was great. And so I felt like helping people face to face was all I knew. And it was what I gave all my energy and my time and my effort into. And as I started to evolve as a personal trainer, then I started to notice that the more that I got, when I, when I got sponsored and then I started doing competitions, 
I started to learn a lot more about nutrition. I started to learn a lot more about training. I started to learn more about supplementation. And so what, what was me winging it initially started to really develop and flourish into something that I really started to educate me on all the areas that I was lacking on. And the more educated I became, the more significant results that I got but off the back end of that, because I knew more, I could do I could do more with my clients. So ended up, I initially just helped everybody and anybody lose weight, a lot of weight, very quickly. And then I started to help people that went to the gym all the time, but they'd never got results. And it was like, look, I've been going to the gym for five years, 10 years. I've never been lean. I've never been big. I've never been strong. And I started to help that kind of intermediate. And then I was doing competitions. I was stepping on stage. Next minute, I was then helping other people do competitions and step on stage. Yeah. And what I started to realize is that that love that I had for helping people face-to-face, like to this day now, is I love helping people regardless of whether it's face-to-face or online. That, that touch point and that ability for me to be able to communicate with my clients clearly what they need from me, educate them, empower them, give them support, guidance, like whatever they need mentally or physically and for me now it's not about just pushing somebody in the gym it's about educating them and empowering them that if I can get you in the best shape of your life and teach you how to do it then this is going to be your new life going forward as we transform your physical state we're going to change your mental state and this is going to be your new life you're going to be looking better you're going to be feeling better you're going to be healthier fitter more confident for the rest of your life not just for summer not just for a couple of weeks, but for the rest of your life. And that was like, fuck, this is amazing. And so for me now, I say this to everyone, like I used to only be able to help, like we know a lot of personal trainers do the hours. So when I was a personal trainer initially, I was I was first guy in, last guy out. I worked six days a week. I'd done 12, 12 hours a day. It was almost like 60 hours a week. I was helping maybe like 50, 60 clients. And as much as that's like, fuck, that's a lot of people, when I took that transition to online, I could double that. I could triple that. I could help way more people yep. with the same amount of time. And one hour of personal training where I could help one or two people and one hour online, I could help 10, 15, 20 people. Yeah. No, I could be supporting them. I could be guiding them. I could be educating them. And that was a real game changer for me that it was no longer just about helping people but it was about doing it on a larger scale that I didn't just want to help 20, 30, 40 people a year. It was like, fuck, I want to help as many people as possible because I've been now privileged to transform not only my own life, but I've transformed thousands of men and women's life too. And so I'd worked with so many people, whether it was skinny guys who wanted to get bigger, whether it was overweight females who wanted to lose weight, whether it was people that wanted to do photo shoots, step on stage, it was fighters like, I dealt with so many people now that I was like, fuck, I now have this amazing ability that genuinely I believe that anybody in this world could contact me and I'd be able to help them. I'd be able yeah. to teach them about all the things that maybe held them back in the past to not only transform them physically, but mentally. And it wasn't just about being a personal trainer in the gym, shouting at them, motivating them and say, look, the only reason you're here is because you've got a trainer. It was about the people that genuinely wanted or loved training to take that one step further and educate themselves about why they were now doing it too. 
Ah, fantastic, Tony. And how do you um, fit in your own training around your busy schedule? So for me, right, the reason that I became a trainer and the reason that most PTs become a trainer is because we love training. Yes. So for me, I made that a non-negotiable, a bit like brushing your teeth, a bit like eating your food. As I said, look, this was the number one thing that I enjoyed. This was the reason I became a PT in the first place. So this for me became a non-negotiable. This was just part of the day that I had to build that no matter, literally, I could have had a client say to me, Tony, I'll, I'll give you £2,000 if you can train me on a, a Monday afternoon at two o'clock. And I was like, that's my training time. <laughs> like, yeah. that's not, that's, that slot's not for sale regardless of the price because I said to everyone, if I'm going to spend my whole day and my whole week and my whole life helping other people, then I need to make sure that I help myself first because I'm the biggest asset in my business and I'm yes. the biggest asset in my life. If I don't look after number one, how do I expect to look after everyone else? And so I made it a kind of number one rule that I built my business around the days I was going to train, the times I was going to train, when I was going to eat. That was the core. And then the business kind of slotted around that. So for me now, I train Monday, Wednesday, Friday, only three days a week. Um, I train between probably anywhere between half 12 and half two. And it's been like that for the last 10, 15 years. It's never changed because that's just how I set up my day. I know that's when I'm going to train. And then I slot the times I'm going to eat around that. And then between that, I would say, right, this is when I'm going to, work with PT clients or this is when I'm going to work with online clients or this is when I'm going to do content creation or this is when I'm going to speak on calls with people etc so I kind of made that that was a number one rule that this was the days and times I was going to train and that was a non-negotiable and okay that might vary when let's say I was competing or when I was doing a diet maybe like right I actually need to set aside a bit more time than what I'm doing right now and I might instead of training three days a week I might do five days a week yeah. And it was like, right, okay. And what I've said to everyone, if I had to go out my way and say, right, the, the way that I would make it work, if I had to wake up two hours earlier to go get stuff done, then I would do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because that was my choice. And so I always had that kind of core foundation that the training was the most important thing. It was the one thing that was going to look after me mentally, physically, um, and spiritually. And I think it's the one thing that because I created it to be my life, it's the one thing that probably others around me can know that I live the life that I'm preaching others. Like I yeah. live the life that I say to my clients. Like when I tell them I'm going to build you this amazing body and educate you and empower you for the rest of your life. How do I know? Because I've been living this for the last 15, 16, 18, 20 years. Yeah. And so when I, when I can, when I'm living proof that they can do it too, then it's obviously going to be a lot more powerful than me just being like, oh, I'll do it for 12 weeks and then I'm off for eight weeks and then I'll do it for another 12 weeks. And then there's no consistency there. And it's a bit like exactly what I said to you. It's a bit like brushing your teeth in the morning. It's just something that I do now. And so regardless, that will always be my non-negotiable training as a priority, yeah. um, physically, mentally. And to be honest, I will, I will wholeheartedly say this. I'm not motivated every day to train. Like there's definitely days I'm like, fuck yes. I want to go train. I can't wait to train. I'm buzzing about training. But there's also times I'm like, shit, I've got a lot. I've got a lot of things to do today. Training's not a big priority. 
but I still don't flog it off. I'm like, nope, this is my routine. This is my structure. Go and get it done and you can deal with all the stuff afterwards. And I might either get an amazing session and love it, or do you know what? I might do that session and be like, it was a bit of a waste of the time. But yeah, I'm okay with that because it is a routine, it is a structure. You're not you're not always going to get an amazing session, but be consistent. Because if you're consistent and you've been doing it for fuck for me now, what 15, 20 years of training, just being consistent is why I got from when I joined the gym. <laughs> I was 60 kilo ripped, fucking super skinny, not an ounce of muscle on me. I always say I was built like the side of a, a side of a fiver to, to now <laughs> me sitting pretty much religiously. I would say I'm probably sitting about 96 to 97 kilo wow. re- religiously still lean. Like yeah. I'm not ripped, but I probably stay sub 10 like all year. So for me, that's like, okay, over the last, I would say what, so 17 plus so about 18 years I've been able to pack on probably about 37 kilo in that time period which might equate to maybe four kilo a year or five kilo a year whatever it is but that was consistency yeah that wasn't a crazy bulk crazy diet It, it wasn't any kind of phases it was just consistent over that time period and I got better I learned more I got more educated and that's kind of where, where I can apply it to everybody that training is a non-negotiable for me. You're not always going to be motivated to train, but set set that aside as a priority and then work your life around that. Ah, fantastic, Tony. And then obviously, you know, let's let's talk about the, the pandemic, right? Yep. So obviously um, you were very fortunate. You started your online business well before the, the pandemic <laughs> hit, you know, yep. but, you know, um, because everybody was jumping on the bandwagon, you know, Zoom and then, you know, yep. uh, face calls, etc. Um, online PT became a thing during yep. the pandemic. But for you, as your business, your business probably never changed during that period. Am I, am I right in saying that? So what happened, Scott, was when I got my, when I hired my first bodybuilding coach, it was an online coach. Yeah. I never met him. And I thought, wow you really helped me a lot to get in the best fucking shape of my life. I can do this for other people. And that's how I kind of went online because I found an online coach. I reached out, he helped me. And after the first time he helped me and he gave, and he, he done an amazing job. Like he was on the call to me all the time. He was checking up on me. I was getting amazing results. And I was like, fuck that online coaching is, is really fucking good. I, I could do that. And that's how I went online. And so for me, what I initially done was when I done like six hours of PT is every kind of year I was scaling back PT. It was like, right, let's do 10 hours less and let's yeah. take some online clients and then let's take 10 hours less. And so it got to the point probably pre-pandemic where I was only really PT in between 15 and 20 hours a week. That was all I was really doing. Yeah. And at that point, I probably had between maybe 30, 40 or 50 online clients and then when the pandemic hit, all it kind of done for me is it kind of wiped off that kind of 20 hours or one-to-one. And it kind of said, right, instead of doing this online about 60% or 70%, I'm probably going to need to do this at about 90, 95% capacity now. Yeah. And that's when the hours, the 20 hours a week that I was spending with clients one-to-one, I was now spending online. I was on right. social media. I'd then started to really... It, it's, it's weird because I actually say to everyone, like the pandemic was a blessing for me because without the pandemic, 
I would still be doing 20 hours of PT. Yeah. <laughs> like I would, I would still be in the gym. Why? Because I loved it. Because I genuinely loved being a PT. I genuinely loved helping people. And I had a good setup. Like I only PT'd Monday to Friday. I worked between nine and 12. And so the afternoons I trained, the evenings I was in the house, I didn't work at the weekends, I didn't start at six in the morning. It, it was a dream situation for yeah. me. And at that point for me as well, financially, like I'd built myself up from when I first became a PT, I was charging between probably 20 quid an hour. Yeah. And then people would say, can you do me a deal? And I was like, fuck, right, okay, I can do it for 15. And if you do this and that. And so it was like 15 to 20 quid an hour when I first came in it just to get myself full and busy. And to be honest, looking back at it, because like I worked so hard and I'd done so much, like even me charging 15 to 20 pounds an hour, if you're doing like 40, 50 hours a week, for me at that point, I was still making maybe what, a thousand pound a week or four thousand pound a month yeah and so it was like fuck i'm making good money but i'm just working i'm just working like fuck yeah. <laughs> i'm having to do a lot of hours i'm having to be the first person in i'm having to be the last person out i'm working at the weekends etc like i was doing whatever needed to be done because i knew there was a demand there and i genuinely loved doing it but i did burn out quite a lot so when i took that transition in the pandemic was I'd built my online platform um, and I'd built my PT platform where I could afford to only have, um, at that point, I was seeing clients twice a week. So I only really had 10 clients. Right, okay. And so at that point, I'd built up the price point to be to anywhere between 100 to 150 pounds an hour. Yeah. And so that was just focused on the one-to-one. And then the rest of the time, I just had my online clients. So for yeah. me, it really allowed me to kind of sit back and say, right, with the 20 hours that I've now gained back, it got me to really sit back and look at my online business and be like, what can I actually do to make this better? Yeah. Like, how can we make this service better? And what I, what I had to ponder for so long was how do I make the experience that somebody gets with a personal trainer face-to-face, one-to-one, how do we give that experience to an online client? Because the, we, we know this where you could have a client that comes to you for PT, and they've been with you for two or three years. Yeah. Because they love you, they love the service, and they love the results. So how do we give everybody that comes to you that same experience from an online perspective to the clients who are like, fuck's sake, this is amazing. And so what I try to say to everyone, if your best clients and my best clients were probably coming to me twice a week or three times a week, yeah, they were getting amazing results because they were seeing you two or three times a week. And I was like, right, okay. So from an online perspective, if I could give clients access to me daily, so let's say five days a week, if I could give them access to me, not just at a specific time, but let's say some mornings, some afternoons and some evenings. So let's say five days a week and let's say six hours a day, two hours in the morning, two hours in the afternoon, two hours at night. If you need to speak to me, if you need to chat to me, if we need to um, change the diet, change the training, like whatever you need for me, if we could give you that, let's compare a PT client that sees a PT twice or three times a week to now somebody having, having access to me 30 hours a week. Yeah. Like the difference. what was going to happen? What happened? <clears throat> Online clients were getting fucking amazing results. It was like, Tony, this is unbelievable because we now had the time to support clients. It wasn't a case of, Here's, here's your plan. I'll speak to you at the end of the month. 
it was like, here's your plan. If you need any help, I'm available pretty much Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. If you need me in the morning, I'm free. If you need me in the afternoon, I'm free. If you need me in the evening, I'm free. And so that support, that guidance really elevated, obviously, the online for me. And that's when my business, in the pandemic, my business completely changed. I then stopped, well, for me, I then went from doing PT and online coaching to then saying to myself, right, what I've loved about personal training is teaching people about nutrition, teaching people about training, teaching people about supplements and teaching them how, how we got the results they got by being educated. So that's when I then made that transition from online coaching to then creating the Body Academy, which yeah. was now an academy for clients that said, look, I want to get in the best shape of my life, but I would love to actually learn this stuff. Like, I would love to learn about nutrition, like love to learn like macros and calories and how to build a diet and how to change a diet. And I'd love to learn about the biomechanics of training, like why we train a certain way. What does that do? How does that work? I'd love to learn about supplements, like what works, what doesn't work. Yeah, I'd love to learn about this full process, how to lose fat, how to build muscle, how to get stronger. And what I say to most people is if I can teach you all the stuff that I learned over the last 14 years, is technically you could be you could essentially become your own PT or your own coach. And that's when we took that transition from online coaching to the body academy, where I didn't just want somebody to come to me for a plan to get a result, as I wanted somebody to come to me to get a result, but me teach, but me being able to teach them how we got them that result so that they could then live that life on their terms for the rest of yeah. their life. And that's why that's when we created the body academy, which was it's it's evolved so much over the last three years but it's amazing like I'm really proud and I love what we've built so far and I know that it's it's only ever evolving every single three every three months six months nine months 12 months we're evaluating how can we give clients a better service how can we give you guys more to really expand your knowledge to expand your development and that was that blew my mind I loved all of that and then off the back end of that, because like you said, with COVID, what happened to a lot of personal trainers? They were like, oh shit, we're in trouble. And I'm like, what's up? And they're like, Tony, I've only ever done one-to-one PT. I've, I've never done this online. You've done this online for quite a while. I said, yeah. They, they said, could you help me? And I was like, yeah. I says, I can, I can show you how to kind of run your business online. I started to help a few people I knew. There was a couple of guys that reached out to me in London. They knew me from doing competitions. There was a couple of guys up in Glasgow that reached out. And I was like, fucking hell. Because I'd done this online coaching before online coaching was a thing, yeah. like it wasn't really a big deal. The only people I knew were doing online coaching was people that were doing competitions. So at that point, competitions weren't a big thing yet. Like I'd done the first bodybuilding competition in Scotland and whenever I'd done it in that fitness model, muscle mania, that that was like the first one there that was not just bodybuilding specific, but that was kind of pre before men's physique and all that stuff. It was like fitness modeling. And that was like the first one there before it ever started to take off. And so for me, that's when I was like, there's actually quite a lot of coaches and PTs here that have never went online, have never had an online coach don't know how to go online, don't really know where to start. And I, was, I started helping more and more people. And then that's that's when the idea for me was like, 
do you know what? Like right now, now that we've got the body academies, I'm gonna then start create the high performance PT academy that was for coaches and PTs that wanted not just the knowledge that we were giving the guys in the body academy, but we wanted to teach them about the business side of it. We wanted to teach them about the stuff that you don't really get taught on your PT course, your marketing, how to get clients, um, your kind of sales, how, what products you've got, your prices, your packages. We want to look at the service you were actually giving your clients, whether it was one-to-one or if it was in-person or if it was online. How did you have your business set up to deliver amazing fucking results? Teach the guys how to get their clients amazing results. And then from there now, like... I'm still, I'm still in awe and I'm still loving like the last, since COVID had hit, it's been what, two years since COVID hit. And I'm still amazed at just how much, how hard I was pushed to the brink. Like most PTs were pushed quite hard to be like, oh shit, like this is getting really bad. To how that being, how having your back against the wall either made you or kind of either broke you or it kind of made you stronger. And I'm not going to lie, like there was definitely points of me feeling like I was going to break uh, because there was a lot of uncertainty and there was a lot of like kind of, un- there, there wasn't really a lot of reassurance about what was going on. Were we in lockdown for three weeks? Yeah. Then it was three months. Then it was six months. Then it was fucking a year and two years and gyms were getting locked. And I was just like, I don't actually know what's going on, to be honest. Like, the situation is always changing. Without you really knowing what's going on, it also affects my clients because they don't really know what's going on. And it just affected a lot of people. So now I'm I'm just kind of blown away as to how the the harshest of situations really made me evolve and level up. We kind of call, we always talk about forced evolution. That forced me to evolve. It was like, you better evolve get fucking better or or you will go under yeah <laughs> and so we were like okay we'll evolve we'll make things better and and to this day now like we all the content we, we started to say right tony one of my biggest assets which is funny because it's the opposite in school i didn't like studying in school like i hated studying and when i got into personal training all i ever done was study like if i had a spare hour between clients i was studying I was reading, I was reading forums, I was online, I'd done an online course, I was listening to seminars, I was listening to podcasts, I was traveling down to London, I was doing courses, like, I was so engrossed by the education that whatever opportunity happened, it was like, I'm going to go learn about this, I'm going to learn from people that know more than me, and find out what they know, and that, for me, was taking all that and saying, right, how do we get all this information out of my head, so that we can put this in a platform, we can just teach other people about all the experiences and all the knowledge that I'd gained is how can we teach you guys through my lens how I kind of went through it. Nah, fantastic, Tony. And then you touched on it there um, about how you were nearly at breaking point, you know, uh, during the pandemic. So yep. let's talk about um, mental health. So yep. um, how did you cope personally um, through lockdown and then do you feel that gyms and exercise outdoors is a benefit of mental health? So for me, I think it's your it's your environment and it's probably the network of people that you surround yourself by. 
So we always say from the law of averages, like you are probably the average of five people that you spend your most time with. And I think that I chose wisely what people I kept quite close to me to give me some sort of positive influence um, on me or my life or my business or whatever it was to keep me grounded, to keep me driven. And I think for me, that really helped when I was unsure about where the world was going, was listening to other people that maybe had similar uncertainties, but also had clear vision. Yeah. And kind of had clear direction as to where to go. And for me, I used the training to kind of clear my head, um, regardless of whether the gyms were, were closed. Like I got a bench, I got a set of dumbbells, I was training in my living room, or if there was a nice day, I was training in the garden, I was going for walks. Like I was doing all these things to keep my head in the game because yeah. once your head starts to wander and if you've got a wee bit of self-doubt is that can kind of manifest into something that's quite negative and quite destructive for, yes, business, yes, your person. You're, you're doubting yourself. You're doubting your ability. You're doubting your service. You're doubting pff, a lot of things that are happening in your life. And I think for me is there definitely was points of breaking, but it took me to see other people go through the same challenges, but also other people overcome those same challenges that I was also in to be able to relate to that, to be like, right, they're no different from me. It's just the fact that they've been able to maybe work on their, their mindset. They've been able yeah. to focus on what do they want from their life? How are they going to go about doing it? working on gratitude, personal development, working on their vision, just working on their mindset, I think for me is quite huge when it comes to mental health. And I think that what I've realized now is mental health is huge, but I think for a lot of guys, especially, when shit hits the fan, we probably don't want to talk about it. We probably don't want to let other people be aware that we are either volatile or we have weakness because that's not yeah. like a masculine um, characteristic. And, and, and for me, it was being okay to be vulnerable. It was to be okay to show that you weren't perfect, you weren't a robot, you struggled. But off the back end of those struggles, as you came out the other side, and that's where the growth and that's where the magic happens. And I think for me, training plays a huge part to that because, like I said in school, no one's born, you're not born strong, you're not born big, you're not, you're not born smart to, so, to, to some degree. Is Yes, you could be genetically blessed or gifted, but it's what you do after that that then is the catalyst for further development. If you're naturally really fast, but you don't practice sprinting and you don't work on your own skills, then you're not really going to become world class. Yes, you've got an advantage, but that's not enough. Like you always talk about people who have talent and people that work hard and somebody that's, that's probably talented if they work hard is an elite world-class athlete. But then you get a lot of people that are probably talented that don't work hard. And that's where somebody that's maybe not talented can work hard and overcome those people because they are driven and they are, they are willing to do the work. You know what I mean? And I think for me, yeah. it's, seen, it's seen the lens for a lot of people that, your mind and your outlook on life and yourself plays a huge part to, to how you see the world. And I think that when you start working on yourself, your own personal development, I think that physically that is definitely part of it, like working on yourself, trying to be bigger, trying to be stronger, trying to be fitter, give yourself targets, whether it's 
I want to run quicker than 5K. I want to be able to deadlift 300 kilo. I want whatever it is, like some sort of target that I'm not going to say you're going to get that overnight because every gym I went to was like, one day I'm going to get to the top of the rack. Like the, the dumbbells got up to 30 in the council gym. And I was like, one day I'm going to get up to 30s. And I went to another gym. It was like, oh shit, this gym goes up to 45s. I'm like, one day I'm going to go up to 45s. And then the next gym and then I go extreme and they go up to 120. And I'm like, no, not one day I'm going to be able to lift that because that's <laughs> very unrealistic. But I'm going to get close. You know what I mean? And I think that I've used that with everything from yeah. certain exercises, <laughs> squatting, deadlifting, like whatever it is is I've always wanted to be a bit stronger, a bit bigger, a bit better. I've always monitored my eating to be like, look, if I'm not progressing, then I need to do something different. If I want to get bigger, I need to eat a bit more. If I want to get leaner, I need to eat a bit less. So I'm always very, we always talk about some people being very emotionally driven and, and people that are very logically driven. And I've done a kind of personality test uh, with this mindset coach that we had on board in the academy and I'm very logically driven like I'm not very emotionally attached to a lot of decisions I'm very logically driven that a like one plus one equals two and that makes sense to me and I'm like yep you do the hard work you be consistent and you'll get the result and and so for me I've kind of applied that to a lot of different aspects in my life and it probably doesn't help sometimes with mental health that for me emotions are going to be a bit more driven to you get those parts of the brain where it just doesn't necessarily make sense but that's just the way you feel yeah and I, I guess I've just came to accept that you don't need to know all the answers and you might not always know all the answers but that's okay but being able to listen and being able to empathize and show compassion and give your output is maybe the best you can do for where you're at and you don't need to know all the answers. And I, I'll quite happily say that if people ask me questions that I don't know the answer, I'm quite happy to say, look, I don't actually know the answer to that. But what I will do is I'll go and ed I'll go learn about that and let me get back to you because that shows that I still care and I still want to help. Yeah, okay. So let's so obviously listening to you for the near enough an hour, Tony. Um, obviously, I know you've got a really good structure um, yep. to, your, to your lifestyle however do you have any bad habits um, within the gym environment at all bad habits so this is probably down to personality as well which I found um, and it was actually my coach that kind of said that to me so a bad habit is probably when there's deadlines or when there's things to get done I work better when it's like a last minute thing so it's like I could have two weeks to do something and I'm like, oh, I've got two weeks to do something, it's fine. And I'm like, oh, I've got a week to do something, oh, it's fine. And I'm like, I've got three days to do something. I'm like, shit, I better get it done. And I'll just bust my ass and get it done. Now, I could have took the pressure and the stress away by spreading the workload over two weeks. But for some reason, my brain is just like, I just run on adrenaline or run off right. whatever it is, endorphins, <clears throat> that sometimes I do a lot of things last minute and I get it done and I meet yeah. the deadline and everything's good. That's probably a bad habit, I would say. Um, a lot of other things, I'm, I'm definitely like with my food prep, I'll prep twice a week. I'll eat at the same times. I'll work at the same, like everything. I know exactly where I'm going to be and what I'm going to do pretty much six months from now. What yeah. I was 
three months ago because everything's the same. My eating's the same. My training's the same. My workload's the same. So it is very structured. So when you're asking that, it's like, fuck. <laughs> Bad habits. I, I would say is like having things that need to be done and leaving them till last minute to get them done is probably quite a bad habit. Yeah, okay. And then if I was to ask you, what's your pet hates within the fitness industry? What's the things that you hate to see within the gym environment or, you know, and so, health okay. So that, this is probably... So I would say two things are probably two pet hates of mine. So one thing is probably that people in the gym probably don't like to see other people doing better than them with their, with their own development. Uh, they like to see you do well, but not better than them because it kind of makes them feel that what they're doing isn't enough. So if, you're, if you've managed to get bigger than someone in a year or stronger than them or leaner than them, yeah. then it's because you're cheating or it's because you're doing something that they don't know about or whatever it is. And, it's never down to the fact that you're just working hard. Yeah. That <laughs> <laughs> it's like he eats the same thing every day. He does hours of cardio. He trains like that. And no, it's not that. It's not because he's working hard. It's it's because there's a secret formula <laughs> that yeah. we don't know about. So I think that a lot of people, when they see people do well, they don't like to congratulate them on the work that they've done because not a lot of people see the work that a lot of people do behind closed doors. They either see the failure or the success, but they don't necessarily see the journey. Yeah, totally. So that that would be in like, so somebody might say to me, Tony, I fucking saw you the other day and you were squatting 240 and mate, fuck me, that's I'd love to be able to do that. And I'm like, that that's taken like 20 years of when I first went to a gym and squatted a 20 kilo Olympic barb and no weights. That's where that started. Yeah. And, and it was just working from like adding 1.25s that nobody wants to add 1.25 to the bar because it's so small. And I'm like, yeah, but 125 is progress. That's more than what you've done with the empty bar. And so I didn't go from like 60 kilo or 20 kilo to 240. It was like every wee small increment, whether it was like last time I'd done six, this time I'd done seven. Yeah. Last time I'd done five, this time I'd done six. Or last time I'd done... 220 this time i've done 221 it's like every little bit of small progression is a step in the right direction and for me that's probably something is that people don't like to congratulate others on the hard work that they do to achieve the results that they have yeah and then i don't know the second one probably sounds quite similar i guess it's just that depending on your gym environment but there used to be for me like everybody that enjoyed training it was you you weren't no one was ever competition it was just everyone just loved to train and that's why they were there and then I think somewhere along the line like things changed that you, you trained and you saw somebody else lift more than you so it was like I'm gonna do that or or I'm gonna it was just chasing other people rather yeah. than chasing your own dreams it was like do you want to lift that much or do you like, what do you want? And it was more about what other people wanted. And it yeah. was kind of trying to prove other people rather than prove to yourself that what you're doing is working. So I think that's probably two things that I saw is that people in the gym, not everyone likes to, to see other people do well. They like to see them do good, but they don't like to see them do better than you. 
And then the other thing off the back of that is probably just everyone feels like everyone is competition, even though we're all doing different things. So it's like, if that guy's doing that, I'm going to do that. And I'm like, is that what you want to do? But like, because we're all doing, we're all training for different reasons. And I feel like no one's competition, like your only competition should be you. Yeah, totally. You should be your biggest competition, the person that you see in the mirror, the person that you are behind closed doors. Are you happy with that person? You know what I mean? Exactly. Are you confident? Are you confident with that person? Are you happy with the person you see? Are you happy with the choices that you make in your life? Who cares about anybody else? It doesn't, oh, doesn't make a difference. Totally. And I think social media has highlighted to that that everybody tries to please everybody. Yes, and, exactly. And not, and not please themselves. And I and I, I say this to everyone: like you, you can be vanilla. And, and a lot of people like vanilla ice cream. And I'm like, yeah. But you could be fucking peanut butter. And some people are like, oh, I hate peanut butter. And other people are like, I fucking love peanut butter. <laughs> and like, so that, that's the kind of best analogy I use is that you don't need to please everybody. You, yeah. you just need to kind of please yourself. And it, it's your life. Live your life on your terms. Like, do what you want to do. Like, make yourself happy. <laughs> like, do the training that you enjoy. Make the progress you want to make. And be satisfied in your own decisions, not not for anybody else, but for yourself. Yeah, totally. And then, so let's talk about uh, your favourite exercise to do within the gym, Tony. What would that be? So it, it changes, right? It changes all the time. And when I'm feeling it and I know that, like, for me, like I said to you, when I was skinny and I went to the gym and my, my, my cousin said to me, all you need to do is bench, deadlift and squat. And I was like, that's all you need to do. That's all I'm going to do. And, and it's funny because my squat and my deadlift are two of my best lifts. Um, my, my squat being 240, um, a weight of obviously, what was that, 90, 96, 97 kilo. And my deadlift is 280 at that same weight. And the, the only reason that I never got into benching was because I always trained myself. And I always thought to myself, fuck, if I bench and I get stuck, there's not going to be anybody yeah. to stop me. So I always went to dumbbells. Uh, and then obviously for me, being able to just dumbbell press 75 kilos was like, oh my God, this is this is amazing. So there, there'll be periods I'm like, I really love training chest like everybody. Yeah. But there's also periods that I'm like really driven to train legs when I'm squatting heavy and when I'm feeling good. And there's also periods where I just, love deadlifting is that because i'm good at it maybe because we all like doing the stuff that we're good at but we probably like doing the stuff that we see most progress to yeah and i think that there are areas where a lot of people would struggle to get a lot like everybody seems to be able to bench more and do more because they bench consistently and do it a lot but for me not a lot of people like squatting and not a lot of people like deadlifting and so it's hard to to, to make consistent progress on those lifts when you're not all in all yeah. the time and for me i'm kind of all in all the time with them so i guess it's because i know that those exercises are really fucking hard and especially with squatting i think squatting for me is the only exercise that you're filled with fear at the top because you're like i'm gonna go down here and i don't genuinely know if i'm gonna be able to get back up but yeah. i'm gonna do it anyway and everyone always asks me, like, what do you, you know, do you never get scared? And I'm like, 
I get scared, yes, but when I'm when the bars on my back, I would never go into a squat saying to myself, I've not got this. Yeah. Because if you tell yourself that you've not got this or this is too heavy, then you're gonna believe it, your body's gonna believe it, and you're probably gonna bail. So I've never done a lift where I thought I can't do this. I've always thought I've fucking got this. And I might have had to bail, but I didn't go into that thinking I didn't have it. I just went into it always like, no, I've got this. Um, but for me, I guess deadlifting and squatting because they're something I, I'm quite good at and I've always done they're probably something that are quite difficult to get a lot of progress in and because I've been so consistent with it for so long now they're probably two things that I really like doing I don't like yeah. it all the time but especially when things are going well and I'm feeling good and it's it, you get those those periods of your training where you're just like this just feels right it just feels good and obviously during lockdown I tore my pec in lockdown um, when I was doing incline barbell press 140 kilo for six reps got to felt good first rep cool second cool felt cool fourth cool went to the fifth and popped it just tore right off and I guess for me now that I've always got that kind of fear my chest doesn't look the same and it will never be as strong as it was I didn't know it was I didn't know the injury was as bad as it was at the time until it was too late. They always say, yeah. if you're going for surgery, you need to get surgery as it happens so that you reattach the pec. And then when it heals, your body doesn't really know that it was detached. Whereas I'd let mine go maybe six months. The muscle had obviously became more solid. It wasn't as pliable. You couldn't move it about. So to get surgery at that point, it was probably not going to give me the, the, the specific result I wanted in terms of the way my chest would look or the way it would feel. Yeah. And my, my physio said to me, unless you plan on stepping in stage again, I probably wouldn't put yourself through the struggle of getting surgery. It says you'll still be able to train. We just need to look after it. And so now I still love training chest, but I'm more cautious that I'll never, I'll never push my chest as hard as I could because there's always a subjective fear that I might hurt it again. Yeah. And I'd rather be safe than sorry. Nah, totally. And then, so let's talk about your worst exercise or the worst exercise that you would you, you see within the gym environment. Something, you know. Worst exercise? Or, or, you know, obviously you, you see a lot of people do stupid stuff on TikTok and YouTube, etc. So, you know, Pick one of them if you. I can I can tell you an exercise that I hate that that I still do is lunges. Right. Is okay. lunges is a you ask me, you ask your clients, you ask anybody. Everyone's like fucking this the test lunges. They hurt. They're <laughs> sore, and I'm like, damn right they're sore. Like I hate it. I hate lunges. I do them because I feel it and I see a yeah. massive benefit by doing it. But my god, I hate it. I hate any variation of it, whether it's a Barbell lunge, dumbbell lunge, whether it's a Bulgarian split squat, I just hate it. I don't I don't like yeah. doing it. Exercise I'm not necessarily good at. Back was probably my weakest area. Uh, and so doing stuff like barbell bent over rows and all that stuff, I'm probably not as... I mean, my back's probably changed so much over the last 10 years. But I was... I'm never... that Doing back stuff is never like my... I don't necessarily find it that easy to yeah. get 
the most out of my back. I can, I'm, I'm so much better now. Like I can feel it. And my back has went from one of my worst muscle groups to probably one of my best because I, I worked at it. But I don't necessarily find it that easy, whether it's a barbell row. Like I see guys doing barbell row with like 160, 180, and I'm maybe only doing like 120, 140. And it's heavy. And sometimes yeah. I'm like, if I'm doing a barbell row and I don't feel it, I know it's too heavy. So I'll go lighter so that genuinely I can feel it on my back. Yeah, totally. So I would say that there's definitely exercises with back that, not that I don't like them, but they're not my strengths, and I'm not necessarily that good at it, but I definitely work harder at it to kind of feel it and make it work. Yeah. that makes sense? No, nah, totally, Tony. And then, see when you train in the gym, yeah. do you listen to music at all, or do you just go with it? So... I've never listened to music in the gym ever just because I feel like when I go to the gym, I zone out. Right. And I think that it's weird. Like I built this into myself. I don't know how I built it into myself, but I built it into myself that like, right, the gym is my time. I don't actually care what's going on in the world. Like there could be a fucking world war and I'm zoned out. I'm just like, whatever I'm doing right now is focused on this rep, this set, this weight. And I just, I just blank out and I just go tunnel vision and nah, I just go totally. all in it. And so the music, I don't hear it. The noise, I don't hear it. Like I just zone out and I just focus on the task at hand. So I don't necessarily need music to motivate me or zone out or whatever it is. I kind of okay. just zone out mentally and in, in the job that I need to do. I would have a logbook. I would know exactly what I've done before and I would know exactly what I need to do to be happy yeah. with the progress I'm making. Uh, so I've never never really listened to music, to be honest, to get yeah. me, whether it's in the zone or whatever it is. I've listened to music going to the gym okay, before to kind of get me kind of amped up or, or like I was, I don't know, like just get me in the right frame of mind to do yeah. it. But when I'm in the gym, and I guess I've, I've tried like going to the gym where I've had headphones on and they fall off and they're in the road and I'm just like... No, this, this, is, this is more of a nuisance than anything else. So, no, I've never really listened to, to, to music. I kind of just zoned out. And I think that that's worked. It's worked for me, but it's also worked against me because I've also had, a, I actually had clients before that said, before I worked with you, I just thought you were an arrogant bastard. And I'm like, because you would just train and you wouldn't talk to anybody and like no one would approach you or talk to you. And I was just like, I know I'm, and that's just the way I've always approached it. Like, I've only got an hour. I've only got an hour and a half. Like, yeah. I need to get my routine done. And every 15 minutes or half an hour that I talk to somebody, I'll lose that. I'll not get it back because once it's gone, it's gone. So if I get this workout done and I don't do all the stuff I need to do, I'll not get a chance to be like, oh, yeah, I'll just do that tomorrow or whatever it is. Like, yeah. I only have a certain amount of time. And it was funny because my client was like, yeah, I used to think you were dead arrogant. And then when I started working with you and, and I started realizing how much longer he used to, he used to train because we would do the same workout. I would do with him. It would take us 50 minutes. It would be burst and he'd be like, Oh my fucking God. Like I'm sore. I'm agony. That was the best workout ever. And he, and he would do the same workout himself, but he was talking to people. He was talking to people he knew like, and he was like, that same workout takes me like 40 minutes longer and so he started to realize how less intense he was training because it, there was so much chit chat. There was 
so much messing about. The rest periods were longer and all that stuff. And, yeah, totally. And so they, they started to kind of realise maybe that's why people would wear kind of headphones or earphones now so that people didn't talk to them so they could just zone in on the training at hand. And I guess yeah. I just managed to do that without necessarily having headphones. Yeah, no, nah, totally. Um, because it's quite funny you mentioned that, you know, about your client because I, I tend to tell my clients, you know, if you see me in the gym, I just saw now I've got my headphones on. I'm trying not to speak to people, you know, because that's that's my time, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so they'll they'll appreciate it too. And what I try to say to most people, look, if you want to chat to me, which I love to, can we chat after I finish? Or give me your number and I'll send you a message or whatever it is, so yeah. that you know I'm like, I do want to chat to you, but I don't want to do it in my time. So we can do this out with that. And at least then for most people, they're like, yeah, I know you're training, so I didn't want to hassle you. So I just messaged you on Instagram. And I'm like, perfect. I'm like, that's yeah. that's perfect. I'm more than happy to help you or answer your questions. But yeah, when I'm training, I do like to just focus on that task at hand. Yeah. And then if I was to ask you, Tony, what's your best memory of your fitness journey so far? So many, man, to be honest. I guess... I guess the first time, the first time, one of my shows, that every show I felt like I I gave it my all, and I done and I done my best. Like I couldn't have done the diet better, I couldn't have done the training better, and I think one of my best memories, and and this is a kind of pro and a con, to be honest. But I remember the one day that I got sponsorship. I'd be sent over to Spain to compete in the Worlds, which was the IFBB uh, Classic Bodybuilding World Championship. So it was like yeah. the highest level. And I remember being like, I've gave this everything. Like literally I've kind of died just to get here with the cardio, the training, the diet. I'd never been so lean. I'd never looked so good. And I, and I could have walked away from that situation knowing that I couldn't have done more and so I was proud to be like every show that I've done I'm always proud to say that I couldn't have done more so regardless of the result whether I win lose or draw I gave it my all and that one of the shows I was so happy with the package that I'd brought that I didn't even need the recognition to get on stage for somebody to be like you you looked good or you done well, and then that show I think I placed felt so it wasn't even one of my best placings, but one of the shows which was in London which was a two bros pro, is I just knew that I, that I couldn't have done more and I looked the best I'd ever looked in my life, and I couldn't have done more and I was just like fuck this was like I'm so happy what I've brought that coming off stage we 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 see compared to those that they come off stage and if they didn't win there's a big fuss and it's like, what a waste of time. Why did I do that? Like it was the judge's fault or it was, there was always a reason why it didn't work. And I'm, and I'm just like, you can focus on all the negatives or you can focus on the positives. And for me, I realized a long time that as long as I went into every show, knowing that I couldn't have done more than I, then I've got to accept the outcome. Yeah. And that was, that was a massive positive for me to be like, all these shows is knowing that I can stand on stage with other people like myself who've given this a hundred percent 
and be able to hold my own was was huge. All, all people all over the world and be happy that I can hang with these guys and and okay, I never won. So the, the drawback for me was at the time because I was probably quite emotionally invested in it. Like in the diet, you're tired, you're hungry, you're drained. You only see your flaws. I wish I was a bit bigger. I wish I was a bit leaner. And I wish that things were different. And it takes for me now that when I look back at some pictures when I competed, that I felt like the competition was so much further ahead than me that there was no point in me doing more shows just to kind of come second, come third, whatever it was. It was like a lot of people had the aspiration that if I turn pro, that's an achievement. And I felt like if I if I ever turned pro, it would to it would to be competing against other pros that I would just be at the bottom, the bottom of the barrel again, rather than be a world class amateur, you could be a really bad pro. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally get that. And so for me, was that mindset holding me back that when I look at pictures now, I actually think to myself, fuck, if I didn't think like that and I thought these guys are good but I know I can be better, would I have been more hungry and more driven and kept going at it for another, because I I'd competed for like 17 years and would I have kept going another maybe three or four years and maybe actually cracked it and maybe yeah. actually like won and took this really fucking far? I pr probably could have, you know what I mean? But I think from my mindset, I, I kind of set myself up that I've done my best and as much as I'm happy in my best, I could accept that my best wasn't good enough. Yeah. Again, somebody that was working just as hard, doing everything I was doing, but was also genetically blessed. And so I was like, I'm happy with the result, even if I win or lose. But if I was, because I listened to some competitors, that if it's not a win, it was a waste of time. And I'm like, it's not, I wouldn't look at it like that, but they also end up doing this for years and years and years and maybe actually crack it. That maybe you kind of need that mindset that, if you don't win, it's not good enough to keep keep hungry. Or yeah, keep to pushing. push yourself. And I felt like if maybe I kept pushing for another two, three years, would I have been able to be super competitive at that top level? Probably could. But yeah. I, I just accepted at that point that maybe my best wasn't good enough. And I was okay with that because I was as good as I could be. And I realized that I didn't need to be a world champion to be happy with how I looked or how I felt or what I brought to the table because what I brought was my best. And if my best wasn't good enough, I'm okay with that. Yeah. So I don't know. That was that, That's like kind of moment I kind of always still reflect on that I'm proud of what I've achieved and how far I've developed. And at the same time, if maybe my mindset was like, I still could have been 10 times better, that I would have kept sacrificing to kind of chase that dream. No, totally. And then if I could ask you, What's the best compliment you've received within your journey or, uh, you know, feedback from your clients, etc. So I think one of the best feedbacks is that when people talk about the service and talk about the community and talk about the care, uh, when they talk about how much they appreciate the fact that I really take care and, and, and take a lot of kind of, take a lot of effort with clients to kind of really look after them yeah. and give them my all. Like I feel like my a client is an extension of myself. 
know what I mean? And I feel like everybody who works with me, people should know that that's somebody who worked with Tony because they act a certain way, they talk a certain way, they look a certain way. And I want all the good things that I've learned in my life to kind of resonate to other people. And I think a lot of my clients will say, I've been listening to you for too long and I've been hanging about with you for too long because I just sound like you, like someone will ask me about nutrition and I'm just spilling out all this stuff that you, that you tell me. And it's like, you're just like a mini Tony, like you've got all these mini breeds of Tony. <laughs> and uh, one, one of my client's son is only, oh, what is he? He's maybe four or five, right? And uh, his dad's been training me a long time, got amazing results. And I remember uh, his dad says to him, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he says, I'm going to be like Tony Pang and flexes his arm. <laughs> and, I'm, and, and I'm going to have a six pack. And I just burst out laughing. And I just thought, do you know what? Like all lighthearted and all fun. The fact that you can have such a an impact on someone's life. You know what I mean? On their family life and their health, their wealth, on their physical well-being. I think when clients just say, look, working with you, has completely transformed my life. And I did have one client on uh, one of the, the the client hot seats that we've done that said, genuinely, Tony, you actually saved my life because for him, he was on death's door, he was on his deathbed, and the doctor literally just said, look, Ian, if you don't start losing weight and taking a bit more care of your health and your cholesterol and your blood pressure and all that stuff, is you're definitely going to be digging yourself an early grave. And he contacted me literally that week and was like, I need this. Like, I want this. He's got kids. Um, he's got a daughter and he, he wants to be here. And we got to work and we set we set aside a target to lose 10 kilo. He ended up actually losing 30 kilo. Wow. And he those results. And yeah, he turned around and said, genuinely, like working with you has been a fresh breath air. And I can't thank you enough for literally saving my life because he was on death's door. So I guess when you get that type of response, when you have that sort of impact on your clients, like you, you don't forget this stuff, you know what I mean? And, mm -hmm. and we always say that your reputation is built on your results and the success of your client. So what they say about you and how you are and how you act and what you care about is huge. So when people are, when you're working with clients and you do have that prolific effect that, I've had clients that have been trying for a baby, going through year or year or two of IVF, struggled to make it happen. And I knew a bit about what we could do, like out with that to actually get the body back into a position where the environment would be a bit more positive for allowing her to get pregnant. And three months later, she did. You know wow. what I mean? And I think, I think there's a lot of good that you can do. Um, just with a bit of knowledge and a bit and a bit of kind of application is there's a lot of good that I've done with a lot of people that I can lie in my deathbed and look back and say, fuck, I've done a lot of good in my life. Like I helped a lot of people. Yeah. And it wasn't always about just getting somebody ripped to go on holiday or whatever it was. It was just genuinely being able to help a client live a life that they wanted to live on their terms. And that's, it's priceless for me. It's, it's huge. And so that, I'll look back on all these memories and situations and be thoroughly humble and, and genuine about, fuck, I've actually lived quite a fucking good life, you know what I mean? Yeah, and then, you know, on the back of that, Tony, so if you could pick one person who's been an inspiration for yourself throughout your full journey, who would that be? 
Oh, you've put me on the spot there, man. Jesus. <laughs> um, it's weird. People are... I have people that, that inspire me in different areas, whether it's somebody like my own coach inspires me in my business as to how I can build a life that gives me more impact, more freedom, more time to maybe even some clients that have achieved, like I said, that client, I've had a client that's lost eight stone that literally went on to become a PT because of the, the transformation that we had. Yeah. And I'm just like, when I watch doesn't doesn't need to be like anybody special or superstars around me sometimes my clients are the best source of inspiration because they do things that they don't genuinely believe and that motivates me that what what are they doing that's holding other people back when they can do it just because they believe in their head that they only need one person to believe in them that anything's possible and if i'm that one person to kind of change their life for them to go and do bigger and better things then that for me is huge. So those, whether it's clients I've worked with that have motivated me to be like, I can be better, people around me, or it's my own coach or whatever it is. Like it, it's hard, even probably my wife, to be honest, like there's times that she'll make sure that I'm grounded and she'll make sure that I realize on, I'm so driven and how far I've still got to go. And she's very good at making me aware and understanding how far I've actually come. Yeah. No, totally. and, I think, and I think that you need, you probably need that in your life. You need to be hungry to, to want to do more, but you also need somebody by your side that can make you realize how far you've actually come. And I think for me then is my wife and that side is very good at making me realize how far I've come, how well I've done. And other aspects of my life, like my own coaches, make me hungry for how much more I've still got to go. Clients, fuck, when they, when they achieve tremendous things, it only kind of makes me proud and it makes me realise that th what they're achieving should give me no excuse that I can't achieve anything that I want to achieve because they're living that based on that kind of belief system. So it's hard for me when you put me on that spot to say pick one person. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's been so many different points in my life, but it's not like I could say to you, Tony Robbins or someone else, when I listen to him and he talks fucking yeah. inspiration, I'm like, I'm going to take over the world because it's just it, it's just not. It's usually kind of real people yeah. that I have genuine connections with that I talk to them and we converse and it develops you as a person. And I think uh -huh. that's what really motivates and inspires me to become better at what I do is just the people that I talk to um, at different levels really kind of keeps me in a place to where I need to be to be to be successful going forward. No, fantastic Tony and then before the round up I'm going to, going to give you some quick fire questions. Okay. Okay so I'm yep. putting, you on, putting you on the spot again. So okay. cardio or weights? Uh, weights. Okay. CrossFit yes or no? Uh, for me, no. Okay. Burpees, yes or no? Uh, I don't like burpees. Good for burning a lot of calories, but I don't like them. So if the question is, do you like them or not? I don't like them. <laughs> but you'll give them to your clients? Yeah. I would say off the back of that, Scott, I would never give clients something that I would never do myself. So okay. like, if I'm going to give them to clients, I would do it if I had to. Right. Okay. <laughs> And then this is a stickler, squat or deadlift? 
Uh, I'll go squat. <laughs> okay, perfect, Tony. And then this is so, you know, if you don't mind me asking, what age you get, Tony? So I am 35, which is funny because I think I stopped probably counting when I was 30. And sometimes I think the last couple of years when people were like, what age are you? And I was like, I don't actually know. Like, and they're like, what do you mean you don't know? And I'm like, I don't know. I stopped counting such a long time ago that okay. I should start counting. So I had somebody asked me that not a while ago. And I was like, I actually probably need to work this shit out. So yeah, I'm confident that I'm 35 now. Okay. Right, so if I could ask you, what age do you feel? Fitness-wise? 27. 20, yeah. I, 27. Yeah. I, 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 late, late 20s. So the reason I wouldn't say early 20s, because in early 20s, I was a train seven days a week. I could train for hours and never get hurt, do things wrong and bounce back. If I was to do that now, I do I do something wrong. I'm I'm paying the price for that. I'm I'm paying the price for for, for some days or for, for some weeks now. So as you get older, it takes longer to bounce back. You know what I mean? Nah, definitely. And then where would you like to see your business within the next year to five years? That is an that is an awesome question. So for me, I definitely see the the, the development of the PT Academy. Uh, being a being a proper resource for every personal trainer or coach that wants to genuinely like give their clients a better service. I feel like if you can learn from somebody that's got 14 years more experience and knowledge and can teach you that in a matter of months, are you are you your business is going to be 10 times better because that knowledge and that experience, you kind of need to go through it to gain it for yourself. So just learning that off someone can really accelerate and fast track. So for me, I want it to be a kind of a staple and foundation that anyone that genuinely loves being a coach or being a trainer is that that's a kind of foundational resource that everyone's like, look, if you want to be better, if you want to learn more, if you want to provide a better service, that the PT Academy is, uh, is one resource that would be in the top of a lot of people's um, list. And I guess for me, the Body Academy is just to continue doing what it's done over the last 14 years is anybody who wants to transform their life but doesn't really know how is coming on board for me to create some sort of game plan for you, map out what that's going to look like, get you the results you've not been able to achieve yourself, and ultimately teach you how we've done it so that you can then live the rest of your life like that. Ah, fantastic, Tony. And then where can people find you online in uh, regards to social media and your websites? Cool. So if you are a PT and coach on Instagram, it would be Tony Pang Personal Training. And on um, the website would be the highperformancepticademy.com. Um, if somebody wasn't a PT or coach, but they were like, look, I still want to, I would still like to work with Tony. Um, then that would be the Body Academy on Instagram. And it would be tonypang.co.uk on website-wise. Ah, fantastic. And then what advice can you offer anyone starting out their journey for the first time within the fitness industry? So I love this question. I've definitely answered this a few times. For me is get good and consistent at doing the basics well. Like if there's one thing 
that I could say to most people, everyone loves doing fancy stuff, being complicated, like making things difficult. And sometimes I just say to people, look, if you're just starting and you want to do well, one, be patient because it's not going to happen overnight. No matter what somebody tells you, mm-hmm. building your dream physique, it's not going to take weeks. It's probably going to take months. It's probably going to take years. But if you can just say, look, I'm going to track some basics. I'm going to know how much I'm eating because it's very important to understand calories, understand where those calories are coming from is the most basic foundation. I would say everyone should know how much are they eating? What does that actually look like? Track your training is the amount of people that everyone loves training. And I'm like, which is fantastic. But how much progress have you actually made in the last six months, in the last 12 months? Because when you write stuff down and, and, This is even if you didn't have a training plan, but you wrote stuff down and you said, well, six months ago when I squatted, I was doing 60 kilo for six. And I'm like, fantastic. And how has that changed six months on? Fuck, I can do like 80 kilo for six. Amazing. Like something so basic. You don't even need to have the most advanced training plan, but see if you just track what you eat and what you do in the gym and try and progress either of those metrics. One, if you want to get bigger and you're not getting bigger, eat a bit more. If you want to get leaner, you're not getting leaner, eat a bit less. And from a training perspective, track what you're doing. Are you trying to lift a wee bit more weight? Are you trying to do a wee bit more reps? Is those two things are the most basic, basic foundation. But if you just do if you just do do those two things and are consistent and are patient, and are willing to do that, like I said, over months or years. When when I say to everybody, like, if I'm only putting on, like, for me, three, four, maybe five kilo a year, and I've been able to go from 60 kilo skinny to 97 kilo big, okay, it took me, what, 18 years or whatever it is, but that's still a huge, tremendous task that if you didn't just do the basics consistently and over and over, you would never even get there anyway. Yeah. So, okay, would you rather try and never get there or would you try and actually get there and realize that, okay, this might be a lifetime journey. But I speak to guys all the time. I was like, how long have you been training for? Tony, I've been training my full life since I was 17. And I'm like, cool. Where do you know? I'm like 40. Have you ever actually achieved what you set out? No. So guys will spend their life chasing this dream and never get it, even though they train five days a week, six days a week, even though they eat clean. Know what I mean? Sometimes, sometimes it's it's like, if you're going to do the work, why not get the results? Exactly. Because exactly. you're going to do the work anyway. So you might as well get the results because of it. So track your eating, track your training, be consistent, be patient. And I promise you, if you just do that and you give it time, you will get results. You will get changes, 100%. You know what I mean? Nah, totally, Tony. And I'd like to thank you, obviously, for giving up your time uh, tonight. It's been a pleasure. Um, but before we round up, have you got any questions for myself? So, I guess for me, Scott, because I'm always on the I'm always on the, the other end where on my podcast when I'm asking uh, the, the guys that come on board questions for me. Um, it's nice just to be able to be asked the questions i've done i've done podcasts where i'm always in the other end but the fact i do so many where i'm the host and i'm asking all the questions 
it's it's nice just to switch off and just be like, I don't really need to think. I just kind of need to kind of just spill out as it is or what's what's yeah. going on in my head. So there's nothing in my head. I guess the one thing I would say to you is you've got this podcast like me. I've got the podcast for a reason that I want to showcase other ambitious, driven, motivated personal trainers and coaches, how their life could be if they just like knew how. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to inspire and motivate. So what, what is the driver or motivation for you with launching the podcast? Okay. So obviously I've done maybe 40 to 50 episodes since the start of October. So I'm probably like yourself, Tony. When I start something, I go all in, you know. Um, So basically, um, the idea behind it is that, you know, out of those 40, 50 episodes, if I've got one listener and I can inspire them to change their lives, I'm happy with that, you know. Yeah. Uh, that That's the goal. Um, I just want to, because obviously I've had people in from America, Sweden, England, etc. Yeah. Um, but the, the, the game plan is that, you know, maybe I'll uh, take this bigger um, in the next year or two, but yeah. the, the plan is just to continue um, real, real people, real stories, and that's where why I came up with the name No Excuses, Real Inspiration. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I absolutely love health and fitness, like yourself. Yeah. Um, but I just wanted a different angle because I believe, you know, a lot of people may, um, you know, <laughs> be very negative um, when I say this comment, but I think a lot of people within the health and fitness industry can be toxic. Um, you know so that's why like as you mentioned networking we need to work together we're all qualified you know if I'm I'll be honest you know if I'm no good at something I'll say oh by the way get get in touch with Tony he's good at such and such and then vice versa we can all benefit from working with each other that's that's the plan yeah and I guess that's similar to myself as much as you would say that the industry can be toxic, which I agree. I think part of that comes from lack of education. Yeah. That people like to be in the boat that this is the only way to do something. Yeah. And they'll just they'll just have that belief system without yeah. being open-minded that there's more than one way to skin a cat. There's more, there's different ways, like your audience, your clients will resonate with different personalities, different responses. Some clients, you need to be, overly abrupt you probably need to be pretty straight and pretty honest to get them to change yeah and some clients you do need to be a bit more empathetic you be you do need to chat to them and be on their level to get them to kind of resonate and open up so 100 and you and that is exactly what you said with your podcast if i can help one person be inspired and motivated to change then you're doing a lot of good because yeah. help one, helping one person is better than helping no people Exactly, exactly. Um, but no, thank you for your time, Tony. Much appreciated. Not a problem at all, Scott. Thanks for having me on board. I know, obviously, we tried to have this on a couple of occasions, but schedule. I, <laughs> I try to do the best I can with, with the schedule I've got. Sometimes I can stretch myself too thin. Nah, totally. Um, but thank you, Tony. Okay, Scott, I'll speak to you soon, buddy. Cheers.